Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Delaney. So what? Uh, so the third part of the Owen Odyssey. We're looking at Michael Owen's uh, quite recent autobiography reboot where he, i'm enjoying um, it have you gone back in and sort of read the whole thing again or do you mean no. you're enjoying the podcast no you know like you as you know, i read it a while back but we were and I, it was sort of at the time while i was reading it i was saying to you we've got to do it we've got to do it yeah. but then by the time we came to do it i'd sort of forgotten what what was good about it right um okay. so i and then I got nervous and thought maybe it wasn't as good as I remember. Yeah. But I, I'm really enjoying it, mate. It's well, feeling... I mean, the thing is, apart from anything else, it plunges us straight back. It, the bit we're reading plunges us straight back, bang into the 90s, doesn't it? Which is your favourite I mean, time ever. It's not quite Euro 96. Like, it's the mid-90s that obviously were the best time ever. Mm-hmm. But this is, like, France 98 was still pretty good. They were still good times. I was how, still. How, it, it reminds me of a time when I was still, you know, relatively carefree, yeah. happy-go-lucky, freewheeling Sam Delaney, yeah, breezing the, through life. Arguably the best Sam Delaney. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I, you know, different fans of yours will probably have different eras of which like they're most Bowie, fond. You mean? Yeah, like Bowie. Yeah, so I mean, some of your fans will be into the freewheeling late nineties. Some of you, some of your fans will be into the more uh, thoughtful. Um, the acoustic years yeah you're at now that's what I'm at now yeah but for some people they find it boring mm. but other people go yeah I mean it's less immediately accessible <laughs> uh, but there's certainly more depth there's layers there to there's the layers. world which you really there, need to try and explore there's layers to me now that's true but back then I was just you know I was uh, everything was there I was an open book Brash, and cocky, I'll be honest yeah, there was wasn't much there. depth yeah. You know, it it was all just about having fun but, all the but, time. But there was a lot of adrenaline. It was exciting. Yeah. Um, some of the th- adrenaline natural, some artificial. <laughs> 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 but yeah, different Delaney's for different people, isn't it? Where France are we? 98 was a great time. Where were you in France 98? Were you up the hour price in those days? Nah, I finished the hour price. I was, I was freelance writing and not right. really earning very much money. So I was yeah. back at my parents' rig. Right, I'd, I'd moved that a few years before, and I had a flat. I had to give that up in order to give you up the hour price. In order to, to follow the dream of, mm. of writing for fucking the NMA and Lord now and again. 
Mm. So, yeah. Do you have fond memories of watching the uh, France 98 World Cup? Yeah, I mean, I say I was a bit skinned, but I was earning enough to enjoy, um, let's say, um, an exciting lifestyle. Right. An alcohol-fueled lifestyle, yeah. which tied in perfectly with France 98, yeah. Yeah, it did, didn't it? But, um, I remember my brothers and my best mate all went off to watch England versus Tunisia in Marseille. And um, I so I had a job, but I, I sort of was skin. I couldn't afford it. I dropped out quite last minute from the whole fucking project, right? And obviously I was really torn about it. And on the day they all went, I was so gutted. It was my best mate. He'd tagged along with my three older brothers and I think a couple of other lads who, who we were mates with as well had gone. And they all trained it down to Marseille. Nice. And the train itself just sounded like fucking bedlam. Because you know what? It was half English fans and half Scotland fans all on the fucking same train. Right. So it was a bit crazy. But I think um, You've touched upon this before. Did, did Cass not get involved quite deeply yeah. on this train? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like... They'd all made an arrangement to um, pace themselves. Yeah, but, that's right, yeah. But, but by the time they hadn't even yet hit the, the south coast <laughs> when two of my brothers were singing. I can't remember what those... They had. They, they, they were doing all that, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough, yeah. which is a fucking stupid thing to sing at Scots. Mm. Because I would say that the response from most Scots would be, okay. we know we're hard enough. <laughs> Here we come. <laughs> Yeah, this is we're good. coming. Come ahead, big man. <laughs> Let's have a square go. We don't on think this, we're uh, hard enough. We fucking know. Yeah, on this on this confined space of a train, <laughs> yeah, no. where we're there is literally a... no escape. No, my mate actually did get. At, he was in a train rig, and you you were thrown in ra- randomly. And right. he, obviously everyone was paralytic on this train, and he had to get up in the night. He was on a top bunk, and he got up. Pissed, woke up pissed off his nut, needed a piss, sort of tried to climb out of the bed, slipped, and on his way down, kicked the Scot- the Scotsman oh. in the face who was sleeping. And the Scotsman, Fuck. without hesitation, in one motion, woke up and punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but then... Then they fucking got to Marseille, and that was when the real trouble started because it was. I don't even remember the Battle of Marseille when all yeah. the local Tunisians and other, like, sort of North African community, they fucking just ran all of the England fans all around the streets for 24 hours. It was absolute yeah. fucking bedlam. They were just running and hiding for, like, you know. So, anyway, I remember because I remember being really gutted on the day they left that I wasn't going. And mm-hmm. then within a few hours when the news started coming through about how it was a fucking war zone. Yeah. <laughs> I was really chuffed. <laughs> I had no concern whatsoever for their safety. Uh, I was just really happy. <laughs> I was congratulating myself for not being there. <laughs> yeah, good times. Yeah. Before we go any further, I should point out that I think I've come down with the coronavirus and I'm... I'm I'm in a I'm in a bad way. So my mm. contribution to this one might be a little bit more um laboured than usual. Well but I'll try you might die. We were just might discussing die. that yeah. before we started recording. You might die. 
And as we've discussed before about death and coronavirus death in particular, if you mm. do, you do. Doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. And if I do, it'd be nice to have it sort of um, logged for posterity on mm. a podcast. You well, know. if you're listening to this, treasure it because this will be worth this episode will be worth a lot of money in years to come because it could go down as the Andy Dawson Memorial Podcast. Yeah, on the his news- last ever pod. Could be very valuable on the, um, the second half so podcast. Keep hold I don't know if you're the sort of person who like downloads podcasts but then deletes them mm, when you finish listening, or do you don't even download? You stream them, which I think is problematic for us financially. I think right. for that for our data, it's better if people download. I think. Yeah. But anyway, this one definitely fucking download because it could be Andy's last. This one might even come out on a seven-inch single. Who knows? The final death throws could come out as a seven inch for record store, dear, or podcast store, dear, whichever works for both. Yeah, it? and 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 think how shit it's going to be when I have to replace Andy with Anthea Turner on Top Flight yeah. Time Machine. You know, I guess so. Yeah, it'll be gutted. It'll be it'll not be the same. It'll be different, but it'll be it'll probably still work. I think, but in different ways. If you if you do die, what is the situation with Top Flight Time Machine? Do you want me to shut it down, or am I allowed to bring it draft I'll, in someone new? No, I'd, I'd um, like you to do whatever you feel is right. I'll definitely draft in someone new then. <laughs> uh, no hesitation. With, within I the want week. to tell you that now. I think it's fair that you know because I want to. Yeah, there might be a, a, an initial drop off in listeners, mm. and maybe. Maybe we'll be able to rebuild. I don't know. But the important thing for me is that I continue to have... This continues to serve as a revenue stream for me. For you, personally. Irrespective yeah. of your state, whether yeah. living or dead. Um, I can, I mean, of you... course, contribute some of it to your kids. That'll be good. That'll be helpful. A small amount. Because, you know, you'll, you'll still own some of the IP. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Um I mean, you could bring in as a, as a as a caretaker podcaster. You could bring in Results Bot for maybe a week or two while you oh yeah do a, do a hunt for a full time replacement. But uh, you know, that's not going to be the ideal. Best caretaker is it? people out there. I mean, you're looking at your Howard Wilkinsons, yeah, your, your well, Stuart Pierces, your, your Gus Van Hiddinks of Tony this world. Parks. Tony Parks was always the king of the caretakers of Blackburn, yeah. wasn't he? And then they gave him the job. And at Arsenal, it was always Stuart Houston. Yes, I wonder if he's still going. Could be, yeah. Hello, Stuart. Yeah, it's Sam Delaney here from Top Light Time Machine. I've got a great gig for you. <laughs> Newcastle, of course, had John Carver. Do you remember him? John Carver John, actually got John the Carver, job at one point. He got the point job eventually, yeah. Because, because Mike actually just couldn't be bothered interviewing <laughs> yeah. anyone else. And it all went exactly the way we thought it would. Yeah. Yeah. Caretaker shall we, managers. Um, shall we look at this uh, Mike Lone thing, then? Yeah. So where we're at, it's the Argentina game, isn't it? It's that memorable match. And he says, um, he just, I can't remember what was the thing that we'd done previously. Did we talk about the goal? No, not yet. In the last one? No. Because it's, it's a few would argue that Roberto Ayala is one of the best defenders we've seen in world football in recent years. Yet on the build-up to our second goal that night in Sinetien, a world-class defender found himself in a position that just beggars belief. This was only because of what I'd done to the defence a few minutes earlier. I'd mm. scared them. Yeah. And he had 
uh, it was because he'd ran at the defence and he'd won that penalty. As he said on the previous page, uh, I was so confident about what I could do, I just thought, I'll run past you. And that was yes. it. That was what yeah. he was doing. He was just yeah. running as fast as he can with the ball and then having yeah. a shot. And he had yeah. a good shot on him. Yeah. Well, but like I said in the last episode, he'd practised every type of shot possible. In his garden. Um, for years, since he was a young boy. Yeah. So he knew that he could shoot from any angle yeah. um, in any situation. And you combine that with his electric pace. And he was <laughs> quite literally unstoppable. Yeah, he was. It was fucking great, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, for England to have a player like that was so exciting. Because you looked at him and you thought... And, and, and he's right. Before, I remember that, before he scored the goal, he had done exactly the same thing to them already. Right? Yeah. And he'd done it in the other games. And you had this sense, which is rare in the history of English football, we had a player who was unplayable. Mm. I guess it wasn't it's not like just... Gaza, who, you know, in his prime, could pull strings from midfield and sometimes pull something out of the hat. You know, you could mark, you could still mark Gaza. You could still mm. irritate him or anger him or get a book in or, or whatever. And plus, you know, there's only so, I think there's only so much you can do in the centre of the pitch. We had a player who was unplayable and who, whatever team we came up against, they had to shape all of their tactics around his existence. And even then, they still might not stand a chance of stopping him from scoring. It was a brief moment. And that's why the story of this game is so sad. It's such a, a one of the you know sort of defining tragedies of of the England team. This this game that we're talking about now, because had we had we got through, had we won on penalties or won in in ninety minutes, I think we could have gone on like got to the final that year. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, we'll never know, will we? But of course, the other big star of this tournament was Ronaldo, wasn't he, for Brazil? That's true. Who was doing similar kind of stuff? Very he similar. Was fast, uh, but he was stronger as well. But and again, Ronaldo was would, a better player than Michael Owen. I yeah, think. yeah. Owen was kind of like oh, well, a sort of smaller version of Ronaldo. But um, yeah, Ronaldo was a complete player, wasn't he? Yeah. I don't know if but we would have won the tournament. Had an epileptic fit before the final, so yeah. you know everyone's well, yeah, but, got their but, problems. Well, exactly. But then Brazil didn't win it, did they? France won it. That France team was fucking incredible. So it was good. Won it? it was really good. But what a final that would have been had Ronaldo. I mean, as it happened, as it happens, France just fucking wiped Brazil out in that final, which was a, a shock, really, because Brazil were the reigning champs and no one thought France had never won it before. So no one mm. really thought France was going to win it. And of course, the thing about that France team is you can still probably name all of them. Yeah. Because they all dominated Champions League football for years yeah. as well, didn't they? And, a, and a, a huge number of them played in the Premier League and won the Premier League for various clubs. It was an amazing team, but it always lacked a centre forward, didn't it? It did. Who did they have? They had Givash, didn't they? It was a centre forward. He signed for Newcastle. In, uh, Newcastle, yeah, and was shit there as well. He was absolute but, shit. Um, so they lacked a centre forward. Uh, Brazil were a really, really good team, and they had a brilliant centre forward who was probably the best player in the tournament up until that but point. He but he the stress got too much for him. Mm. And don't forget, I, one of my periods in Sam Delaney history is, of course, epileptic. Epilepsy Delaney, yeah. And I have had stress-triggered EPs before. Mm-hmm. So I knew how the cunt felt, mm-hmm. where it's just all got too much. I was exhausted. I was under mental strain, emotional mm-hmm. strain. And I ended up in, I ended up in hospital. Bang! 
I've ended up in hospital. Bang! Where yeah. am I? You've had yeah. an epi, mate. You're, You're in, in the hospital. hospital. You're up the hospital. Fuck. You're up the Aussie. Yeah. And I, I was wonder... like, oh, fucking hell, I've done a Ronaldo again. It's quite a niche uh, period, that, in terms of your fan base. You don't, you don't find many fans who say, my favourite period of, of, of Delaney was Epi Delaney. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but it was exciting because it was so, there's so much drama with Epi yeah. Delaney. Drama, jeopardy, uncertainty. There, there was, yeah, because you never knew if you were going to die. Jalapeño. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Jalapeño. I mean, some of the fucking epi episodes I had was so terrifying. Once I woke up in Kingston Hospital, right, and I literally, I had no, I'd, I'd fallen over and had an epi in a driveway, and I'd smashed my head on a wall as I'd gone <sighs> down. So I had a bad head injury, right, stitches in my head, and I'd had an epi. Yeah. And when I woke up, I was in the cardiac arrest ward. And there was all these old men in there who were like had had fucking heart attacks, and I sort of was bewildered. I was like, "What the fuck? What's going on? Where am I?" And they've gone. Do you know what one bloke said to me? He goes, "Well, it looks, young man, like you've had a fight and had a heart attack." <laughs> and I've gone, "What?" And I knew I'd been at West Ham the day before. I'd been at West Ham Derby. And I, did, I had vague memories about what took place. I was, I was like, highly inebriated. Yeah. And in various ways when it had happened. And I went, what? And he goes, you've had a fight. He goes, it happens a lot. He's there. This old cunt with fucking all the things on his chest. Like, he thinks oh, he's... Yeah. You always get some cunt who thinks he's the doctor. The self-appointed doctor, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there was no doctor. And he goes, yeah, what's happened is it happens sometimes. You, you've been fighting, and in the middle of the fight... You've had a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why you're in here. I I must have lost quite badly if someone's punched me so hard I had a heart attack. (laughs) And uh, I said, no way, mate. Neither of those things have happened. No way. And he was like, oh, well, that's what they all say. Well, I can't. I've been in here seven times, seven heart attacks in the last seven years. I've seen There's it always all, a young mate. rascal like you. <laughs> Claims they haven't been fighting an had a heart attack, even though they obviously have. I, I went, I got out of bed, and I, to my surprise, I had one of those bumless gowns on. 
Oh, they're the worst. I was like, oh, God, hey, it just fucking hell. Just as you thought things couldn't get any worse, I've got a bumless gown on. Yeah. They've put me in in the night. How am I supposed and, to uh, got the bog with this on? <laughs> yeah. I fucking shuffled over to the payphone. Called up my older brother. What, what material there was around your ass to try and maintain your dignity. Yeah, exactly. But it was hopeless. And, I, yeah. and my my head. I went into the bathroom, and sure enough, the bloke said you've been fighting. And I had blood all over my head and stitches in it, and mm. I did look a mess. And I thought, well, maybe he's right. But I thought, nah, I'd remember either of those things. I'd remember. But I called up my brother. I said, look, you better come and get me. I'm in Kingston Hospital. Um, someone, some old blokes just told me I had a fight and a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no reason to doubt them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it turned out I'd just what I'd done is I'd been I'd been smoking a spliff and on top of a day of excitement and you know drinking and all the rest of had it. Had you had some drug powders and some drug tablets and then a spliff? I'd had a drug cigarette. That's all I'd had, I think, <laughs> and loads of alcohol drinks. <laughs> I'd had lo- I'd had nine or ten alcohol drinks two and alcohol then some, drinks please barman and then, then some drug cigarettes and I just suddenly my head started spinning and I did the thing instead of telling my mates I went ah oh, lads I'll catch you up in a minute I'm just going for a wee and I looked for somewhere to hide like the Hulk does when he's turning into Hulk oh right? yeah because I thought I'm going there, or sometimes cats hide when they're going to die. They do, they and they get in the cupboards, don't stuff, they? Yeah. And I went, um, yeah, nah, nah, don't worry. And I walked into a drive. We were walking down a residential street, and I walked into the gravel driveway of quite a posh house. Right. And my mates carried on for about another ten yards, and just sort of thought, "Hang on, that was a bit weird. What the fuck's he doing?" So Has they got off to die. Back. They walked in. Yeah, it was like I'd gone off to die. You go ahead, men. He's probably he's probably just gone off to die. I'd better keep walking. <laughs> yeah, he wants his privacy, and we should respect that. It's like, you know, the Red Indians do that, and all oh, they just disappear off into the plains. I don't want it to feel like I'm violating him. His he, he wants to die in peace and let his spirit leave his body <laughs> and float up into the heavens. And that's not something he wants us to see. <laughs> Take the Besides, the pubs will be closing soon. So if we don't get a shift on, we're going to miss last orders. <laughs> and they came back around the corner and I just fucking stacked it, smashed my head in and had an epileptic fit. That's just Shit. one of my epileptic uh, incidents. There's loads of them, and it was always scary. So some people, like Bowie, would you say that's my Bowie's Berlin period? I would say probably station to station. Right. Just before the Berlin, because he cleaned up for Berlin, didn't he? At station to station, oh, when yeah. was when he was kind of at his most crazed. Oh, station to station when he was on the old drug heroin. Yeah. The drug station injections. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably epilepsy Delaney, yeah. He did that famous song, didn't he? Drug Injection. Yeah. On station to stay. Drug Injection. <laughs> pulsing through my veins. Yeah. Uh, I've fallen over and hit a wall <laughs> with my head. <laughs> the old man said I'd had a heart attack. Again and again and again. <laughs> ah. 
Michael Orr, I'm anyway. wearing a bumless gown in <laughs> Kingston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. He did that to it, didn't he? He turned up in at Victoria Station in that car and he stood up wearing a bumless gown. And nobody NHS. ever seen anyone do that before. And then he gave a fucking Nazi salute and drove off. Yeah. JTFN dickheads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might have to do the yeah. boy. We might have to do That's the boy right. Odyssey I just did at some point. Salute. Get your knot round that. TGFN. <laughs> we might need to do the boy Odyssey at some point, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> album by album. <laughs> the boy story. <laughs> I'm into that. I'm well into that. That's a good um, idea. Where are we? Michael Owen. Where the fuck are we at? Yeah, so Ayala, I'd scared them. Uh, funnily enough, as the goal sequence developed when Bex's pass reached me inside the opposition half, my first thought was to keep the ball and potentially link play. Then I thought, fuck it. Fuck that. I'm <laughs> going to score. I'm going to try and score. And going to score a fucking worldie. <laughs> well, dear Kenzie says that. He says, then when I looked up and saw what was in front of me, my eyes lit up. Everything changed. Unsettled by what had, what had transpired a few minutes previously, the Argentinian defenders must have thought they couldn't just squeeze up on me again. Instead, backs to goal, they just gave me a run on them. They Whoa. fucking they literally had no idea how to cope with this cunt. Nah. Um, play broke down into something you might see in a school playground. No structure, assignments lost. In truth, they had no chance. I would have run past them all, even if I'd been slow. Oh! <laughs> He's unbeatable. Even if I was fucking, even if I had all the pace of Paul Merson, who was sat <laughs> gawping at me from the bench. <laughs> this is this is cocaine on, isn't it? Yeah. I'm gonna score even if I was slow. I can do anything. I'm gonna score a goal on the moon. <laughs> if I wanted to, I could run so fast that I'd fly up to the moon and score a goal there. <laughs> in a back in a backless gown. <laughs> I was thinking they're sitting ducks, he said. Initially, the ship of Jose Chamo came into the corner of my eye. In a split yeah. second, I thought, he's too close to me. He was cheating, edging, gambling, hoping he could nick it or use his strength to put me off. He had underestimated my pace too. <laughs> <laughs> they all had. All they of all them. I was indestructible. <laughs> <laughs> At that one moment, I, Michael Owen, was the most powerful human on earth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says, I felt he was in the wrong position. If I took a good touch, I could just run away from him. I made an instinctive decision. I used the outside of my foot and took that touch. I wriggled free of him. And it was then, when I lifted my head again, that I thought one thing. Oh, my God. Goal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. He knew. He fucking knew, didn't he? Yeah. Because in an instant, he could assess all of the angles. Like Terminator. Yeah. Well, that, that stuff going on in his head. Yeah. All the data. Yeah, and it was situation. all spilling through his mind, being processed at, at, yeah. at, in milliseconds, and he yeah. thought, go, it's all and happening he, now. And he said, uh, bizarrely, at no point in any of this did I feel any pressure whatsoever. Great. He just had a state of serenity, basically, because he knew what <laughs> was coming. That's like us before we go on stage in our live shows, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we just know that whatever we do out there, it's going to be incredible. And the, yeah, and the fans sometimes are just you just respond. look at the audience. We stand backstage. You look at the audience, and you look at me, and you just nod and say, "Go." Yeah. So we just go <laughs> out there and do it. Yeah. Oh my god, go! <laughs> They've left us too much space. 
They've underestimated our banter again. We're going right through them. <laughs> this is going to be over in 10 seconds. Um, and he says, um, regardless of the enormity of the stage, because I'd rehearsed every conceivable way of scoring goals throughout my young life, as you said. Yeah. Right. Yeah, what could have been a nerve-wracking do-or-die moment was reduced to just familiar routine. I went into automatic mode. Yes. Auto Owen. Engage Auto Owen. <laughs> I was like the car from Knight Rider. I was in control. I was like Luke when he fucking shuts his eyes and on the attack on the Death Star. I let the fucking force take over, didn't I? <laughs> I heard someone's voice in my head. I think it was Rafa Benitez. Oh, no, it was Gerard Ullier. Saying, use the force, Michael Owen. <sighs> As I got closer, I was always thinking a little ahead. As I was sprinting towards Ayala, of course, it would have been piss easy to just run past him. <laughs> the risk was that going by, going by going past him, I might take the ball too near to the corner flag. Conversely, if I took it too close to him, I'd be risking him nicking the ball or bringing me down. Oh, it's getting very fucking precise here. Angles. I can't believe he thought all these thoughts. He well, sat back in writing this did. on YouTube. He obviously did. He wouldn't lie, would he? He wouldn't no, try that's and true. he would try and make it sound like it was more complicated than it really was. It wasn't yeah. just run very fast and kick the ball very hard. You'd feel shortchanged if you'd bought Michael Owen's book. <laughs> and in 300 pages, the bit about his most famous goal just going, against Argentina, I got the ball, they stood off, so I just ran at them and, bla- and fucking smashed it. Kicked as hard as I Bang. could. Bang, goal. Game over. Let's all have a disco. Um, angles and distance of touch became my sole focal points. Mm. <laughs> what? <laughs> I- <laughs> Fuck off. I had to take it as close to him as I dared, but not so far away that I'd be making the finish too hard. This all happened in about four and a half seconds, didn't it? When you watch yeah. it back. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, he thinks he's in the Matrix. Yeah, he does. Bless him. It's good. It's good entertainment, though. In a yeah. situation like this, you're weighing all this up subconsciously, but you're not aware that you are. It just happens. How do you know you are, then, if you're not aware that you are? What? Yeah. What the fuck? You're talking in circles, man. Yeah, you're a mess. And then he says, everyone always asks me about Scalzi. Everyone? Really? (laughs) Because if you watch the replay, he comes into view on my right-hand side. Honestly, it was never a question in my mind to pass to him. No one's ever asked him about Scalzi. I don't remember seeing Scalzi. I was focused solely on Michael Owen, running as fast as he can, and then kicking it as hard as he can. Yeah, I think people see... um People watch it on YouTube, maybe, and go, look at Scolzi screaming for it. Yeah. But I don't remember that at all. I just remember, I remember where I was, and I remember it being one of those cliches that you see in stupid adverts where they show lads um, watching the football, and they always show these lads uh, reacting in a much more dramatic and excitable way than any real-life lads ever do. They're always staring and gasping and they slow it down and there's a voiceover that's supposed to reflect the thoughts in their mind Mm. and it goes back to that that (coughs) old thing that we've talked about when the Sky executives advertise football. It's always clearly made by people who have no real (laughs) knowledge of or experience of football fan culture. So they go, oh, the thing about these fans is that... To them, it is like 
watching um it's like how we would feel at the opera it's their everything <laughs> they have small uh, irrelevant lives yeah. and yet in these small moments they feel that nothing else matters apart from this absurd game that they have devoted their lives to right and in fact all we're doing is sitting there sort of chatting to our mate eating some crisps and then going oh go <laughs> yeah. but in the case of the Michael Owen goal, I was like someone out of an advert because I remember sitting on the sofa with a bunch of mates and all that. And literally, as he, you know, as he progressed mm. from the halfway line, my ass came higher and higher out of the seat mm. until the moment at which he shot, I'm fully erect. It was like oh. the evolution of man. Yeah. And you're going, oh my God. Oh my God. Because there was a split second. I remember thinking, if he fucking finishes this, we've just watched the best goal ever. <laughs> and when he finishes it like that, we just fucking go mad, you, absolute mad. It was exactly how every football advert is based. It's the only time that's actually happened in real life. Were you subconsciously thinking that or were you consciously thinking that? Or are you not I'd sure? I've broken it all down afterwards because you have to understand <laughs> when those celebrations happen, Andy, you're not actually thinking anything. I no. went into automatic mode. It's going to be a good chapter in your inevitable autobiography, I suppose. Do you ever go into when you're watching football? Do you just like transfer into auto mode, auto no. Dawson? Well, pr- pretty much all the time. Yeah, I don't I really t- give I a mean, fuck if, about if football. Possible, all that I like much. to live my whole life as auto Sam. Now it's easier. Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Mm. Well, we're going to leave it there. He's he's going to decide whether to pass it to schoolsy or not. Oh, we're leaving it on a cliffhanger. We'll find out next week if he scores the goal or not. Oh, that's exciting. (laughs) That gives you a reason to tune in next week, listeners. Sure does. All right, there we are. That's the Owen Odyssey. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.